The Green Suiters Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, head over to patreon.com forward slash greensuiters podcast. Before getting into this episode, we'd like to thank the following new patrons for pledging at the $3 tier or above. Kobe Ponting, Todd Hickson, and Leather by Dragonfly. Thank you for your support. Now, on to the show. Is anybody else as excited as I am about WorkbenchCon? I am. What's WorkbenchCon? It's the thing that you're going to. <laughs> yes, I'm very excited. I'm really, fun. really excited. Well, in case the people that are listening to this don't know, the three of us, all three of us together, are going to be going to WorkbenchCon, and it is going to be a fantastic time. It will be good. Sure. A lot of beer. Mm. Although, Ben, I don't know if they sell White Claw at the hotel bar. Well, then I'm not going. Dang it. So the two of you... You could probably pick some up. <laughs> yeah, you could just walk around with I'm like sure a backpack with some I'm ice sure in it. Some Yeti makes backpacks now. that I can go get yeah. some from. It's Atlanta. Some mom groups oh, yeah. probably. Yeti awesome. does make a cooler backpack now. So you could we could load that thing up. <gasps> actually, you know what? That's actually a really good idea because... The booze at the hotels are really expensive. Really? It's like, oh, yeah, always. Oh, yeah. I mean, anywhere, anywhere yeah. anything like that, of course. Yeah. Of course. Boy, when I'm at WorkbenchCon, I get really parched. And that's when I reach for White Claw. What? <laughs> nice. <laughs> We're going to have to put that on a YouTube short. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh, thank you for tuning in, everybody. Today, tonight's episode is sponsored, sponsored by, by White, Claw. White Claw. And this is like the third episode that they sponsored. So. We we really appreciate that they're such a part of our yeah our show. It's it's the, they don't pay us; they just send us a bunch of cases of strawberry white claw. <laughs> so good. It's yeah. the it's the beverage sponsored by soccer moms everywhere. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, Ben. <laughs> I've I've been really no excited about this particular episode i'm actually i mean anytime we do the podcast i'm really excited but looking at all the questions that we have for this week it's been a really good show and i actually kind of dig this this format but um i i do too um i really like doing the q a however i think it's good that we space it out like we had yeah talked yeah about. yeah it's not something because what i've noticed do. Yeah, yeah. What I've noticed on all the other podcasts that answer questions every time, every two or three episodes, you hear the same question again. Yeah, and yeah. so I think spacing it out is is good. Yeah, mm-hmm. builds anticipation. It, it does. Oh, it does. Oh. And you know, it like I I really do want us to do a weekly show. Um, you know, but I don't know. I I need how weekly. By weekly, he means every other week. Oh, okay. That's no, we get it, Ben. Because I think because we had talked about it. Let's do ten episodes first, and then see how we're going. Yeah. Well, that'll bring us to the end of the year. So, but um, but no, like, like multiple times throughout the week, I'm like, man, I really wish we were doing the podcast this week. Yeah. Just you know, just because I like I like talking to you guys about anything and everything that we talk about, you know. Well, that's not why I enjoy it, because I don't like talking to you at all. 
That's not what you Man, said in your love letter. I just spent five hours this weekend <laughs> with uh, Jason in the car. I talked him to death, I think. Oh wait, you're I don't his know new. if I let I don't know if I let you speak. You're his yeah, new yeah. assistant, aren't you, Sedge? Yes, I'm I'm the new Bent's woodworking intern. Did you that Did you so see funny. the post I did? Was, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, this take is great. take my tools to your car. I don't need them. <laughs> Go turn on the air conditioning so it's nice it. and cool for me when I'm done. <laughs> have the uh, have the heated seats turned on as well. <laughs> Seventy two degrees exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are we going to cover? What we did, I think if we do it, we should probably just kind of breeze through it real quick because I know we have, there's no way we're going to be able to get to all the questions and some of them are kind of goofy. Yeah. Uh, but I think we did what? We each picked three from the list mm-hmm. that we'll discuss and hopefully yeah, we'll get through all of those. And there's, yeah, and that's only half of the ones, the questions that we have. So can I, can I bring something up real quick since this is the beginning? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I put a little query out on my Instagram for people to submit questions and I lost access to a bunch of them for some reason. It's a new thing with, with stories, but there was one specifically that I remembered and it had to do with the audio. And it was like, are you guys going to, you know, fix your audio? I love, I love you guys, but the podcast has been hard to listen to or whatever. Right. And I just wanted to take an opportunity to be like, we completely understand we've identified it and we're just working to get better each time. And this is, so we, we understand, but like, it's just like any other podcast, you know, there's going to be growing pains in the beginning. We're going to get it all figured out, hashed out. Mm-hmm. And hopefully by the time this one comes out, cause we've already figured out a ton of, of things that, uh, me specifically that I was doing wrong, um, in terms of settings and stuff. So hopefully, you know, we're working to get it done. So I just, I just wanted to make that clear to everybody uh, out there. Just give us some time guys. We're only human. <laughs> well, out of out of everything that we that we talk about post show, audio is always the thing that we talk about, and that is, I mean, because really, when it comes to a podcast, that's what, it, I mean, that that's your main driving point of quality is the audio, and so we're we're constantly looking at what we do, can do. Like, I mean, I just bought this huge boom arm for my mic so that it isolates my audio, and there's there's more things that we're gonna get as. You know, as we continue to get more patrons, um, I, I want to invest in better audio equipment. You know, whether that's pop mm-hmm. screens for the mics or, you know, w- whatever it is that we need to make the show better. That's what I want. You know, mm-hmm. our Patreon funds to go towards besides our Ferraris and G5 jets. So right, I was going to say is <laughs> once our Ferraris and, and and jets are paid off, yeah, yeah. But um, Sedge's Pica. So hey. did you? Did you go through your to your archives and find it? Because that's how I found mine. You go to your go to settings and go to archives. Yes, I can find them, but it, you used to be able to still go in and see the feedback from them. But on every single one of my stories in the archive, it doesn't give me that option. So anything that had happened, I can't see who watched them. I can't see any of that stuff once they go into the archive. So I was able to access the story. I just wasn't able to pull up uh, the answers to the questions. Yeah, and the only ones on I was able icon. to salvage... Yeah. The only ones I was able to salvage were the ones that uh, were still in my notifications. So most of the people wrote them back in, um, but that was just one that I specifically remember that did not get written back in. So I apologize. I I can't remember who it was that wrote that, but um, message received. We are uh, working through it. I think it's getting better every time. So, you know, again, just be patient. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's something that I would want to know what episode you know, are they referring to? Because if it's like the first one, well, obviously, 
the audio wasn't that great, and neither was the well. The second one was okay, but third one was not good either. But it would have been one through four, yeah, because yeah. five isn't out yet. But yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, we get it. We know, you know, it's it's getting better. This is just, you know, doing a podcast is completely different from me going out and doing a voiceover uh, for a YouTube video, or or me using a completely different microphone setup for my. Uh, you know, videos that I'm trying to teach things in the shop. It's just, those are things that I figured out because I've done it so many times. This is just a whole nother, it's a whole nother beast. Yeah. Um, it's just one of, eventually, it's a new thing for us to learn. Yeah. Eventually it, it'll be, it'll be really good. So we appreciate the feedback we've been getting from everybody, but we'll just leave it at that. So um, do you want to real briefly discuss uh, what we've been doing over the last week or so? Or Yeah. So what what, what have you been up to? the last two weeks uh well uh nicole and leo are now home mm-hmm. um i was wrapping up i was doing a lot more youtube stuff uh, i've been doing a, a video a week all of my analytics and everything are starting to go back up to the days of old which is fantastic um and i'm really trying to push hard for the rest of the year on youtube um i was able to get the finish uh, applied to the table and delivered with my shop assistant uh brian sedgley <laughs> uh, who is in, nice enough intern intern who's nice enough not only to go with me but also uh you know give me a ride uh, because the table fit in the back of the vehicle so um i do appreciate that sedge and even though i made a funny post about you being my intern and hard or good work is hard to find you did okay <laughs> so Thank you so much. Coming in from you, that means absolutely everything, Jason. Yeah. And I said, you just, you just keep trying. And, you know, I just have this feeling that maybe there's this big international company, tool company, that's looking for someone just like you. Well, well I'll tell you, you guys are so much older than me. Someday when I grow up, I want to be like you guys. Well, that's impossible. Such, I'm pretty sure I if would, you added... If you added mine and Ben's age together, we <laughs> that still ain't right. Be than you. <laughs> that ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're not that old, but you're old, but not far oh off. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but anyways, that's that's pretty much uh, that's been the extent uh, of mine. Just a lot of a lot of finishing and uh, getting that table out of here. They were very 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 happy with the results. Um. And I mean, I was too. I, I, I think it turned out great. Um, I'm just ready to get started on the next project. So, Are you going to keep um, using um, target finishes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Se- 100%. Sedge, what, what, did, what did you think of the finish, Sedge? It was cool. I, uh, I liked it. It looked, uh, when I first, Jason did the, the video on the samples, and mm. it, it came out great. But boy, when you see him in person, and I was like looking at a different angle, right, Jace? Yes. Was, and you're then shorter. you said, come, come, no. And then I came the light around. Reflection. It's the way the light was raking on it. And it popped, and that target stuff looked pretty good. Yeah. They all looked good. Yeah. Yes. The only one that I wasn't uh, in love with was the Varathane. Uh, with nothing underneath it. Uh, the Varathane with sealer underneath it, I think, looked okay. Um, but the straight Varathane definitely did give that milky look. At the end of the day, the thing I was most impressed with was how well it leveled out. Oh. It was the easiest I, finish I've ever sprayed. 
and how durable it was to forks on chips. <laughs> yeah, so funny story about that, Ben. <laughs> I didn't tell you this, right? Oh, so, this, was, this was beautiful. Now, this table was obviously not for me. And um, originally, I was going to use Rubio. But then I was like, you know what? I just, with the kids, they were very adamant about having it be something a little bit more durable. I'm going to try something else out. Hence, I found Target Coatings. I uh, was really impressed with their finish. Decided to use that. Thing turned out like phenomenal. I mean, it looked fantastic. Show up, drop it off, uh, put everything together. We get it in there. She comes home, sees it, loves it. Her kids are with her. Her kids start sitting at the table and her son was like with these two little like Lego toys is like sitting at one end of the table and I'm at the other end. And he's like banging these, these things on it. And even me, I was sitting there like, Oh my God, it's brand new. You know, like this kid is going to, this kid is going to die. Well then dying. They were, they were so nice. They ended up getting us uh, barbecue and, and we had some barbecue before we hit the road again. And while we're sitting there, her son and daughter, their son and daughter was sitting at the table and they have these like rubber silicone mats that they put underneath the, the plates and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, he had like some chips and some, you know, some pulled pork or whatever, uh, mac and cheese, something like that on a paper plate. And he had a fork and he's sitting there and he's smashing his fork down into the, down into the plate. And we're all like kind of laughing and joking about it. And the whole time she was over there like, and like getting ready to move it off. And I'm like, Oh my, I mean, he was, I'm, I'm not talking like he was just like tapping it. Like, yeah. no, I mean, he was like full on, like, I'm stabbing somebody. <laughs> so she removes it and she looks down and sees that there was one little spot where one of the, the prongs actually, you know, went into the finish and it put a little dent in it. And you could just tell it was like getting a brand new car and you like drive it off the lot and you like stop at the grocery store on your way home and somebody dings your door the day you bought it. Mm-hmm. And I, I looked at her and I was just like, hey, it happened. It's done. It's over with. Now you don't have to worry about it anymore. Yep. <laughs> but Jeez. the whole time I'm just like, I'm cringing because I'm like, oh, it's brand new. You know, <laughs> I, was, oh, I was dying inside. I was Good like, you, oh, you picked that finish then. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's a it's a great finish. Like I said, I'm you will 100% see me using it again. They're actually going to send me some more samples for the future uh, comparison videos that I do. I'm going to get some of their polyurethane, some of their lacquer, some of their other stuff. So, um, and then I'm actually going to branch out and find some other finishes. Um, That's awesome. I think I might I might add like General Finishes High Performance in there, um, just because that's their water based uh, polyurethane. So. Yeah, I think it'll be good. Um, and then later on down the road, I, so a comment that I got over the past couple of weeks on that finish comparison video was actually, it would have been really nice to see a comparison on the durability. And I'm like, I'm sitting there thinking in my head like, excuse me, yeah, it would, except you have to let the finishes cure first. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, at least a week. I understand that. It would have been great to do that, but why would I do a durability test when I just applied it? Um, yeah. But I do have things planned for that in the future because you still you know, have the like samples right here, here's the samples and by the time i do a durability and actually figure out a good way to go about doing a durability test yeah so but yeah they'll Durable. be fully cured and i can i can do a test what about you said what have you been up to I should have been thinking of this <laughs> when you. <laughs> well, I can I can go while you think. Okay, you go. 
So I, I finished up Jen's door, and um, it turned out really well. I still have to install it, but um, so it's currently um, wrapped in my basement, ready to, to get in the back of my car and go. But she was really happy with it. Uh, she saw it whenever she came here last weekend, and um, that's pretty much been it. Uh, I asked some other little projects, side projects that I've been kind of piddling away with here and there, but I just finished the door uh, last Friday, so <clears throat> just looking on for the next one. And, you know, just like I said, at the top, um, waiting for that Shaper Origin to come in tomorrow. And Ooh, um, fancy. I'm so excited for that thing to come in. Can't wait to to play with it. I, I have a lot of ideas that that I've been wanting to, or that I've been saving until I get it. And um, I'm just really looking forward to getting that thing in my hands and learning it. And and I can't wait to to not use it just like Jason with his CNC. Yep. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm going to use it. I, I use it every once in a while. So, I'm so pumped. I can't wait to use it. Cool. Well, what about you, Ben? What? Ben? I just said what I was doing. Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sedge. I'm um, hilarious. I just been weekends. I've been working in the shop, just still organizing. Um, I've done a few videos on shop, and this is going to dovetail really nice into some of the uh, questions we had because I've always sharpened, um, and I've done videos on Sedge Tool about sharpening because everybody asked me about it, and I've always done it flat. And recently, I've always sniffed around it, and I finally got a Tormac T8, and I've been working with it most of the summer. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm pretty impressed by this system, and I'm gonna shoot some video on that. Uh, it's a uh, boy. It's such a well thought out system, just like another company I know. And uh, <laughs> do all that. It's a that's a dry sharpening system, right? The no, it's a wet. It's a wet slow grinding system, and it's fantastic. Okay. So <clears throat> when I get another like thing a, I used uh, to do in high school. When I get a, a hand, like when I get a hand plane blade and I get a nick in it, uh, sharpening it flat, taking out that nick and grinding it down takes a while. So a typical bench grinder, you got to grind it out. A typical bench, and it's a very difficult process for me. And a typical bench grinder spins at about 3,400 RPM, six inch. This is a wet grindstone spinning in a trough of water and it spins at 100 rpm and the tool rest and all the jigs that go with it are phenomenal so there's a lot i'm going to be shooting quite a few videos on the system because i like it so much much quicker than just using a regular whetstone and um like go yeah, i think honing and guiding I, i've taught i've taught a lot of people how to sharpen sandpaper on glass or sandpaper on solid surface or a dead flat surface mm -hmm. and um I think I could teach somebody to get a more consistent bevel with the Tormac system versus teaching somebody how to freehand it like I do. I don't use honing guides. I think they're, uh, I think they're uh, a little cumbersome to use sometimes. With this system, it's just, it's easy. It's, um, 
it's cool. And I, I'm going to be sharpening all kinds of stuff. In other words, sharpening the uh, scrub plane blade, which has got a, a very uh, convex shape. Uh, I mean, convex? Yeah, convex shape. It's hard to sharpen on a flat. Here, it's so wicked easy. So, uh, it, I, I'm liking it. I can camber a blade for my bench planes really easy with it. Uh, and I'll be teaching Big D about this through the course of the fall and winter. Because he wants to learn how to sharpen some of the stuff that he's been acquiring. So, I'm pretty stoked about that. And, uh, I still need to bring my kitchen knives over there so you can sharpen those. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I'll tell you what's really cool is at work, where I work during the day, I've been testing all these brand new prototype tools that are coming out. That's what, I've been really busy with that. Pause. <laughs> Ben's going, shaking his head. Pause. I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, I just been really busy. Unfortunately, unfortunately I can't say anything about him though. Sorry, I yeah, can't say anything. I've been, uh, on the weekend, on the weekend, I've been interning at Bent's Woodworking. Hmm. So, just, hey, me too. Yeah, Speaking of sure. that, you need to get over here again this weekend and clean my damn shop up, sir. Sir, yes, sir. Hey, before we get into the questions, I really yep. want to share this. I know it has nothing to do with woodworking, but it has like changed my life, and that is the Peloton. Oh yeah, sorry, first. I'm I'm dead serious. I am obsessed with this thing. It is the best. It is the best thing. I feel great. I've had it for seven days now. I've ridden it six days, um, and the only reason I didn't ride it that other day is because uh, of work. But like I I I just want to ride it every day. Like it's not even a question. And it is it is fantastic. It is incredible. I just want to share that because I am super. Super, super excited about it. Like it is transforming the way that I feel and think about things. And this is exactly what I needed. But for everybody in the audience out there, if you've ever wondered, I, I know 100% why people love it so much, but I am obsessed with this thing. It is fantastic. That's all I wanted to say. Good, because it wasn't going to anything else about it. Peloton is not a sponsor of this podcast, although they should. White Claws. White Claws. White Claws. Which All right, so after I got off of the Peloton. Thank you for that. All right, so we are getting into this, and if you, the listener or watcher, depending on where you're consuming this, if you want to have your question read on the air or on the show, um, the best way that you can do that is by being a patron. We go anytime we, we get these uh, community sponsored events, or I'm um, sorry, episodes. We go to Patreon first. We ask uh, our patrons, you know, what questions that they want to have. Uh, so the patrons get priority. And then after that, the rest of the community gets priority. So uh, it's looking like episode 12 will be the next community uh, sponsored show. And if you want to, if you want to guarantee to get your question answered on the show, become a patron. It's not that hard. But um, Or, or send me $100. In unmarked bills. Um, I'll Un make sure it gets read. Untraceable. Yeah. Hey, said, did you give Jason that $100? I did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. I right, just want to make sure. All right. So, um, Sedge, why don't you go ahead and, and kick it away with uh, with our first patron. Okay. Uh, yep. It's Patrick at LBD. So, I think I know who that is. That's Leather by mm -hmm. Dragonfly, right? That's and right. He's a Patreon. Okay. Uh, 
<laughs> That's so cool, Patrick. Uh, how often and what type of tool maintenance do you guys do? And other, uh, e, uh, e.g. Um, Ergo. Ergo, thank you. Tool sharpening, chisels, planes, etc. Okay. So um, hand tools primarily is what he's asking. Yeah. Um, I sharpen my chisels. Boy, this, that's a tough question. When they need it, and I always like say I'm setting up for the day, and I know I got a lot of chiseling to do, I'll see the chisels, and I'll go, oh, and I'll just do a quick test on some end grain maple. And if it's not, leaving a nice surface. Same thing with, um, I'll do a couple of swipes, like my uh, Lee Nielsen four and a half I use almost all the time. And I'll just, uh, I'll take that and I'll just uh, make a couple swipes. And if I see like um, a trail in there, I know I need to sharpen it or that means there's a nick. But I, I maintain my chisels a lot with just a strop and some rouge. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is this is difficult because I don't know if the listener or the the viewer understands all the the little nuances to hand tools. And I apologize. Sometimes I I, I don't want to talk over, but I think Patrick knows what a, a strop is and everything, and what rouge is. It's just a piece of leather with, and the rouge is like a very a very compound. fine compound. He may not know what it means because he is a marine. <laughs> um, Patrick, you don't eat the rouge. You don't sound like a crayon. You don't, no. you don't chew it. And the, there's another question down below, but we're going to get to it. It's about tool maintenance, and I don't know if it's about power tool or hand tool. Um, when it comes to, when maintenance, when it comes to maintenance on hand tools, like hand planes and chisels, that's just just eyeballing it, making sure there's there's no rust or whatever. I use uh, camellia oil. Uh, to rub down the planes when I put them away. I have a sock that's uh, impregnated with camellia oil. Um, I use other uh, lubricants like PG2000. But, but that's hand tool stuff and chisels. Um, how, did, how did you yeah, impregnate it with the oil? Uh, just an old sock, cotton sock. <laughs> what? what? It's impregnated. It's it's got a lot in it. Is it a? Come on, you, guys. Is it like a sure happy sock oil? or a yeah, sad I, I one? Said, or? Uh, as I said that word earlier, I wasn't like looking. The at minute the you said that, you ben, and I, <laughs> ben, ben and I, Ben and I both. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's oil. Yeah, that's what they all say. <laughs> I'm not drinking White Claw here. Is hey. oil supposed to be crusty like this? Say <laughs> right. That ain't right. I'm fairly certain that Ben and I are not going to be able to add anything to that conversation. Oh, in in terms of the hand tools. If something's ever dull, I just buy a new one. Isn't that what you do, Jason? Exactly, 100%. Jason brings it up up here to me so I could sharpen it for him. Well, that that was going to be the only thing that I recommended. So, like, for me, if if I'm trying to use a chisel and it's just not cutting it, then I'm going to sharpen it. But, again, I don't use them enough to really ever have to do that. And then I would just bring them up to your shop. Where then you yeah. taught me how to sharpen using sandpaper, yeah. and now I can yeah. do it. But let's segue into that second part, um, which I believe was from uh, Lidol. Yep. Uh, at Lido six one seven. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, Michael. Yes, he's a great dude. And, he and I, he I asked met. a similar question. Yeah. Yeah, I met him in uh, in Providence, and he's a Boston firefighter. He's wicked cool. And he's uh, in the Army National Guard. Now, 
I guess we'll, yeah, we'll seg- segue into that. Um, so that was the hand tool side. Now we'll go in the other side. Okay, so he wrote here, uh, tool maintenance, squaring fences, that kind of stuff. Okay, first and foremost, a good machinist square, if you're squaring mm-hmm. everything, right? And I use setup blocks. I use really small squares. I get this little uh, pinnacle one, which was originally made for woodcraft by woodpeckers. It's a great one for testing. I never, oh God, this is tough. Uh, I've always double checked. Like if I, on my table saw, when I set it at 90, I have that little square right there and I check it at 90. Even though my gauge is saying 90, I always verify. Same thing with my fence. I'm always checking my fence if it's 90. Um, that's just simple things. Just And if I'm setting an angle, I don't go by the scale underneath. Okay? I have setup blocks that I made out of starboard years ago. And I got one at 22 and a half, one at 45, one at 30 degrees, and I set it to my blade to my table. I always verify things with setup blocks and gauge blocks. Um, uh, everybody wants to know. I have a... or. <clears throat> when it used to come to tool maintenance on, say, a table saw, and we could go on and on and on and on on every machine here in my shop, but when it comes to, like, a table saw, I think that's what everybody is wondering about maintaining. Like, I don't have a cast iron top. I have an aluminum top, but I still put a coat of wax on it. And the wax I use, I know you can't see this, listeners, but I'm going to put it up here, is this stuff I get, I think, at Woodcraft. It's called Renaissance Wax. And a little is a lot. <clears throat> and yes, I use an old sock. A clean sock, hopefully. An old sock, and I buff it into the top and then buff it off with a clean rag. And that works wonders. And I put some on the, the fence. I have a, the fence is also aluminum extrusion, and it works like a champ. Um, if I find hesitation in things, uh, I always will stop and maybe apply a little more wax. It makes everything smoother. Um, <clears throat> and that goes for, I don't have uh, any more cast iron in here except for my drill press, uh, the bottom table, and my lathe bed. But those all got Renaissance wax on them and they don't oxidize. I'm trying to think, I'm just looking around. Um, I always will say this, and I said it earlier, get yourself a good machinist square. And mm-hmm. as I was going through these questions, I thought, you know what, I'm going to do a short on YouTube on Sedge Tool, how to m- make sure your square is square. Because there's a lot of times I've gone to people's shops and said, ah, oh, my saw is out of square and everything, and I grab this square and I go, well, let's start with your benchmark, your square is your square square. And it's so easy to check. You guys know how to do that, don't you? Yeah, yeah. mark a line. Yeah, mark a line. It's easy. But a lot of people don't know that, so I'm going to do a short on it uh, this weekend. Nice. Uh, what else can I... You know, I saw something recently, and I'm going to talk... This is one that kind of bothered me. I saw a video on YouTube, and somebody was showing how to set your miter... Um, how to test your fence on your table saw with your miter gauge slot. Emphasis, you, uh, because I have it here, I have a a dial 
indicator and with a bar that I use and I put a dead flat plate on my, I used to do this on my Powermatic 66. You need to make sure that your blade, blade, not fence, is parallel. Okay, you mark one tooth and you bring your dial indicator back here. You move it in your slot on your miter, ga on your miter gauge slot and that should be perfectly parallel. Your mm -hmm. fence, which they were showing in the video, they were doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that's a no-no. No. That is a recipe for <clears throat> kickback. Yeah. At the front of the blade, the fence, in your mighty gauge slot, now we're talking about the fence, okay? When you bring it back to the back of the fence, it should be kicked out mm -hmm. at least 128th. Yeah. It should never be perfectly parallel because that you will... Pinch. You do not want it to pinch. If it's perfectly parallel, you're setting yourself up. Yeah. It should be kicked out at least 128th. Yeah. And I saw somebody doing that setup, and I was just like, yeah, that's, it's not that it's wrong. It's just I understand where their point's coming from, but I don't think they've ever been in that situation. Because that's mm -hmm. what I was taught by Beastmeyer Fence 30 years ago. It should be yeah. kicked out. Yep. So yeah. what, what, what so about you, Jason? That, what, what, kind of, what kind of maintenance do you, do you do on your shop or in your tools and stuff? Uh, so I already covered the hand tool thing. For me, it's it's quite easy. Like the only time I'm checking square is if I ever move something out of square. Mm -hmm. there's, well, there's only two instances. If I move something out of square and then I need to move it back or if I cut something and I realize a problem, period. Yeah. I don't worry about it. Any other, there's no reason to worry about it. There's no reason to check every single time. For me, I always do tests anyways. Like if I'm getting ready to cut something and I'm cutting multiple, I will always cut a test and make sure everything is good first. That's my opportunity to find out if something's wrong. If something's wrong, I'll adjust it. In terms of maintenance, um, when, when I feel like the tool needs it. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I was just looking at some of my Festool stuff. It's been collecting uh, dust in some of the hard-to-reach places, and I just went through and cleaned, like, the domino and the jigsaw and, and the track saw and all, all that other stuff. The table saw, if, if I open it up and it looks like there's a bunch of dust or it looks like it's not collecting dust effectively, I will then at that point go ahead and clean it out. Um, and cast iron surfaces, I regularly spray down um, with... Uh, glide coat or slick coat or t9 bow shield or something um but if there's not a need for it i don't do it i don't get wrapped around the axle if if i notice a problem i'll correct it otherwise i am not one of those people who is you know i'm getting ready to start a new project i better uh, do maintenance on every one of my tools and, and check square for everything because it's not an issue until it's an issue so yeah. that, that's my answer yeah and that's and that's how I am. Like like I, uh, I guess the only time that I will check the the equipment is whenever I first set it up, um, which in my case is, it's kind of rare because literally everything I own is Festool. Um, Weird flex. But uh, yeah, only if there's a problem, and I I check my work more than I check my tools, just like you, Jason. Like. I only need to check everything if I see that there's now a problem. Um, and then like with, you know, cleaning blades and stuff, um, like I, I need to clean my my general purpose blade for my track saw, but that's just because I haven't cleaned it in a while. But it's very much as needed or if I drop something or bump up against it or just like you said, I, I change a fence from, you know, 90 to 45 and I go back. It's the only time I do it. Right. But so I, I would... I would say that I keep my shop clean more like I spend more time cleaning my shop mm. and keeping it organized. Like that's my maintenance 
keep it clean, keep it organized above everything else. And I probably, probably spend more time doing that than anything else. Hmm. I got one more point that I teach everybody <clears throat> because I don't, it doesn't matter if it's a circular saw blade or a, a table saw blade or whatever. A lot of people will say, ah, oh, I got to go have my blade sharpened. I tell everybody, why don't you clean it first? Because cleaning this table saw blade and like a, a track saw blade, uh, that's some unbelievable maintenance you can do because if you feel like it's sluggish a little or you're getting some kind of burning, a lot of people just go out and buy a new blade or go and get it sharpened. <laughs> yeah. No, just take some, I take it out, throw some crud cutter on there, use a toothbrush, yeah. work it in and let it, and I just clean it off, wash it off. And I put uh, this stuff on, it's called dry lube by uh, PB Blaster. The, I'm not Teflon. sponsored by these guys. It's not, it's, yeah, it's Teflon, but there's no silicone in it. And this stuff is wicked. I'm a total believer in this stuff. I love it. So That's I just, awesome. cleaning, cleaning blades, it's just simple yeah. to do. And it's like you get a whole new blade. It's just build up a pitch. Yep. Absolutely. Cool. All right, Jason. Do you want me to go next? Yeah. Okay. So my first one, because um, I know we'll all at least get to answer two. So I'm trying to pick which one I want to answer and maybe not get to one. But so my first one's going to be from at Lakeshore underscore Woodworks on Instagram. And... I thought this would be a really good one. And it says, do you prefer face frame or frameless cabinets? And then the second question is overlay or inset drawer and door faces. So I'll answer it by saying uh, my favorite style of cabinets to build is frameless. Um, I think the best looking frameless cabinets have inset doors and drawer fronts, but they're, probably the most difficult to ensure that they're just right uh, because so much relies on the reveal. Um, so typically when I'm doing frameless cabinets, I will do overlay, but I like frameless over face frame. I just like the sleekness. I like the modernness of the, the cabinet construction. And I also like to not have to worry about building face frames. Um, I feel like the hinge installation and everything else is just a little bit easier uh, when you're doing frameless cabinets. There's a lot less involved because you're not trying to compensate for anything with a face frame. Um, they're, they're the most finicky. Um, I don't know if, if you guys would agree with me on that. They are the, they, frameless cabinets are the one cabinet that it is the most important for it to be as square as possible as opposed to a face frame. Um, cause you can correct a lot of unsquareness with a face frame or I know Seth will talk about, you know, yeah, he'll talk about like, you know, shoving it into a corner and bending it, which is completely true. Um, but inset on frameless I have found is the most difficult to get just right. Not impossible by any means. My miter saw station right behind me, I actually went with frameless inset everything. And I think that that looks the cleanest. I think it looks fantastic. Um, but next to that, I would definitely say, uh, frameless with overlay. So that's my answer. Ben. Um, I would say frameless cabinets just for the, the, the reason that you just said, Jason, um, I, from an aesthetic perspective, I like frameless cabinets better. Um, and 
I have a mix of frameless and frame cabinets in my house. And the frame cabinets, the hinge um, hardware tends to strip out more than the frameless. Absolutely. Because typically, typically with the, the frameless cabinets, you have, um, you have more surface area that goes into that carcass for the hardware versus a, uh, a hinge hardware that on a frame cabinet that clips into that, that frame face. Um, at least the, the, like I said, the ones that are in my house. Um, but yeah, but yeah, you're right. Like it is, I think it's maybe a little bit more of a mark of, a of someone that's, that builds with precision because you do have to worry about the reveal. You do need to worry about, um, that that edge of the carcass is going to be nice and square, or at least in the reveal it will be. Um, but yeah, I, I just like I like the simple simple look of frameless cabinets. And but then, Sedge, before you answer that, um, I'm sorry, Ben, <laughs> to cut you off. No, you you just brought up a good point, and I just wanted to clarify something. When it comes to the frameless cabinet with inset, if if your cabinet is if your box is perfectly square, then I actually find that inset doors and drawer fronts are are easier. It's when it's slightly out of square, mm-hmm. that's when it's the hardest to master. So I just wanted yeah. to clarify that. I'm sorry, Ben, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. And then uh, with drawers, I, I really don't like overlay. Um, all of my, uh, all the the drawers that I've made have all been inset. And it's, it's, it's for the same reason, because I like the, I like the look of the reveal, but I also look the, the clean look of whenever the drawer is closed. Um, you know, depending if you have a handle or not, it's a really clean, um, just a really clean look, you know, it's, you know, yeah. I don't know. Anytime I see a, uh, an overlay drawer, I just think of the nineties. Time to drop the hammer. You ready? Frameless with full overlay period. (laughs) And when you do drawer fronts, when you do inset, you can't do waterfall veneer. It doesn't have continuation. Mm. That's and a very that, good point. And that is a mark of craftsmanship. When you can match that veneer and waterfall it down, it is freaking gorgeous. And I, I love full overlay, and you can bend a cabinet into a corner, and you can adjust that reveal absolutely perfect with the hinge. So I, that's why I like. Yeah, well, the uh, reveal on full overlay isn't isn't nearly as difficult as, as no, it is with a. No, it's and it's a great way to make cabinets. So when <clears throat> when we were that's a really cabinets, good point Mikey, though. You were talking about the waterfall. That's a very good Mikey, point. When Mikey when Mikey and I were selling cabinets in Fort Lauderdale, and we were Mikey, I'll never forget the first time Mikey's in the house with me, and he goes, "Hey, do you want a uh, face frame or frameless?" I went. Shut up. They don't know the difference. <laughs> it, the, the only thing a cu- for me, the only thing a customer looks at is the, is the door fronts and drawer fronts. That's what they notice. They don't yeah. know what a face frame cabinet is. They don't know what a frameless is. They, they, want, you know what they, th- they also think hardware is the knobs and pulls. They're right, but they don't understand as a cabinet maker, the hardware is the what? The drawer slides and the hinges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody loves, and, and, and when you sell a kitchen, you, got, you sell the soft clothes, baby, because everybody loves soft clothes. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I just, I love the look of full, a waterfalling a veneer on drawer fronts, full overlay, and a perfect two millimeter reveal in between the drawers. It just, you know, a customer will look at that, or I look at it, I have it in my house, um, and I look at it and I go, oh my God, it's just, it's beautiful. It's just the way it looks. It's just a continuation of that grain. So Yeah, yeah and, my and miter I, saw... My miter saw station, I did the inset because I used plywood, but I also did match, uh, mm-hmm. match the, the grain because um, I just cut out one panel and then made the cuts wherever, the, mm-hmm. uh, wherever they needed to be. But on the, uh, or said you saw it, the yep. vanity I did just like what you're saying, full overlay, yeah. frameless. But, but I, I, I like the look. It all depends on what look you, look, what look you want. Now, mm-hmm. I did, the one thing I don't like are face frame cabinets i just think it's a lot of extra work for nothing and i well well, just like jason said it's i I think it's it's there to to help hide mistake like it's really like if your cabinet's out of square it's really easy to correct it with a face frame yeah or to hide it with a face frame Mm. you also don't have to edge band anything that's probably what someone's i don't want to take the time to edge band it so i'll just make a face frame for it and and the hinges are easier to install what? The hinges on a on a uh, face frame door are pr- quite a bit easier, I would say. Well, I wouldn't say quite a bit easier, but uh, for the depends on the tools. For the have. person who doesn't have a lot of experience, they're going to look at it as easier because they can put the hinge cup onto the door and then they just hold the door up like this and then they're like screwing it in. But once you use European style hinges and you understand it. Those are actually easier, but somebody easier. that's using face frame doors, they don't want to go through that, that learning curve of, okay, what's my offset need to be? How far do the, does this hinge plate need to be from the front of the cabinet for inset versus overlay versus whatever, even though there's documentation out there that shows all of those things. But think about it in terms of like somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience with that. They're going to look at that and go, oh, all I have to do is drill my hinge hole and then I can just attach this to the face frame. This is easier. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think that might be one of the things that is an allure. Oh, I don't have to, to edge band, but I still have to make a face frame. They don't think about it like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I don't have to use hinge plates. I can just glue or I can just screw this directly to the face frame. So they're associating those things with an easier task. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Very. I always, I always found face frame hinges were 10 times more difficult than frameless. Now that you know and you've experienced frameless hinges, absolutely, I agree with you. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Okay, I think I think we beat that one up. That I liked that question. I was really glad I saw that one. So Ben, go ahead. What's your first one? All right. So this one comes from uh, Jennifer from Virginia. Um, <laughs> I know a Jennifer in Virginia. <laughs> I and know she, a Jennifer. And she asks. She's oh part my of my, god! This very part of my risque question. Page. You're actually going to ask this question what's something you can say in the wood shop but also the bedroom <laughs> jason who wants to go first, first? let's see what you got jason. You have the dirt you have are the you ready mm-hmm. that's not where this goes that's really that's that's pretty weak <laughs> what's yours ben hey says give me that happy sock <laughs> that ain't no 
What was yours? What mine? You got no. What was yours again, Ben? Give me that happy uh, sock. What's, what's something you can say in the wood shop, but also in the bedroom? <sighs> nice finish. <laughs> <laughs> You like that, huh? That's a good one. That was good. That was good. All right, that hey, was good. Awesome. Hey, why is this crooked? <laughs> N- nice wood. <laughs> hey, give me that clamp. You're supposed to screw that. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Can you clean up my spooge? <coughs> oh my god! Can we keep going on this? All right. Oh my god! Oh, said, you're up. Next question. Thank you, Jen, for the disgusting, dirty question. Now oh I know why you're with Ben. Yeah. Oh. Said you're up. Okay. Um, another one from Patrick from Leather by Dragonfly. On your planes, do you prefer a York pitch or a middle pitch? I didn't even know what the hell this was. I had to look it up. Neither York, do I, so this is you, all you, Sedge. Okay, a York pitch is 50 degrees. A middle pitch is 55 degrees. And the reason that your typical, your typical hand plane, like I'll just take my Lee Nielsen four and a half. That's a 40, the frog is pitched, or it pitches, the frog is pitched at 45 degrees. That's your typical bench plane. Okay, so... Well, I'm just going to do it like this. This is, and it puts your, it puts your hand, your blade like this. Okay. So say you're doing difficult grains, a York pitch or a um, middle pitch will pitch the um, blade at a higher angle, 50 or 55, for difficult wild grains to prevent tear out. Now, to answer the question for Patrick, I don't... I'm going to take out my head, my pods. Sorry about hesitating on this. I don't, I've, all my bench planes are uh, 45 degree pitch, the frogs in there. But if I get an experienced wacky grain, I use either this one, which is a 212 scraper plane. And this blade is pitched, this blade is pitched at either... I can go, it's a variable pitch. I can go from either 75 to 100. And that's the, that's a, that's a Lee Nielsen small it's scraper. It's like a card plane. scraper. Yes, exactly. But the, it, the difference between a scraper plane and a hand scraper is when you're scraping, you can scallop your wood by scraping. Mm-hmm. Okay, because of the way you bend the scraper. Bend it, yeah. Here you have a flat bottom, and this is an old Stanley 112. And this is a big scraper uh, plane. So depending on the size of wild grain, uh, the grain, what's, what's Jason doing? He's I so bored. Back. He's so bored. No, I leaned back on my miter saw and it popped the thing. Anyways, wow, that was, that Jason, was weird. Jason could give two, two craps about hand plates. And he, oh God. No, Pat, it's, Patrick. It's I honestly answer that for you because no, I hold know on, Sedge. You like hand planes? No, no, no. Like I do. No, I, I know you guys. Uh, that that's not what it is. I have to keep moving around because Sedge. I went to Ale Emporium tonight with Nicole for dinner. That ain't and right. Don't throw I that had, on me. 
I had pizza. Oh. And I am like overly stuffed right now. That's why I keep like moving around. So it has nothing to do with your with your question. <laughs> oh my god! Huh. What kind of pizza no. you get? What kind of pizza you get? The the Supremo. Yeah, the thin crust. I didn't. I couldn't remember if I ever got thin crust. So I got the regular oh. crust, and I'm like overly stuffed right now. That's why I'm like moving around. But now going did. back. Well, going back to the plane because I've never. What number plane is that? Because that's a plane that I've never seen before. Yeah, that's a, a Stanley One Twelve, and and Lee Nielsen makes a One Twelve. Um, all right, it's a big scraper plane, big sole on there to scrape with. It keeps it dead flat, and this is a Two Twelve. It's just a smaller version. So a One Twelve and a Two Twelve is the same thing. One's just smaller than the other. Yep, and and the Two Twelve is a smaller version of the One Twelve. I got you. The okay. 212, I mean. The 212 is the smaller version. Cool. Interesting. So that's how I, that's how I uh, use a hand plane or scrape difficult grains and would say it's uh, curly maple or bird's eye maple, whatever, quilted walnut, whatever. So that helps prevent tear out. So that's, okay, so that's only though for woods that have really gnarly grain. Yep, and if I want to do a final scrape on something too to or, give it a really nice or cut, if you know that, uh, or if you know that that something is going to be like the species is going to be prone to chip out. Yes, correct. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully, Patrick, that answered your question. Leather by Dragonfly. Yeah. By the way, you guys, have you guys have you guys been following Leather by Dragonfly on Instagram? I love Patrick and Michelle. Who's Leather He's, by Dragonfly? Oh, stop it! Do you know <laughs> who they're building aprons for right now? Yeah, Rogue it? Fitness. Rogue, they're welders, dude, in their uh, their welding department. Built, oh, my God. I think that's so cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Another great Ohio company. Now, I honestly, I believe Patrick sent that question in because he knew you would be the only person to have anything to say about it. And that's his way of, like, <laughs> getting, you know, jabbing at Ben and I. Like, oh, these young bucks don't know anything about hand tools <laughs> oh 100 that's what i thought when i saw it back when i was riding my dinosaur using my hand planes thanks patrick patrick i, I just michelle, bought a chisel you guys are awesome michelle's the greatest patrick is just okay <laughs> i just bought a chisel the other day that's the only he's a marine there. what'd you get oh just some crappy cobalt thing from um from like Lowe's or Home Depot. I had to, I yeah. routed out um, the place for the, it was an inset door handle for Jen's door. Yep. And so I just, I needed to square up the corners. So yep. that's the only reason why I bought it. All right, let's see. So I've got the next one. This is going to be a good one too. Perfect people to ask this question to. Uh, this is from a question from Instagram uh, at the Wood Lab Woodworking. And he or she asks, what do you find more useful, a solid MFT3 setup or a good miter saw station? It's a very okay. easy question. <laughs> yes. So let it's me answer so, this. So very simple. Honestly, I don't think you can compare the two. Uh, my answer would be the MF, solid MFT surface. Yep. And the reason that is, is because I can literally do everything that I need to do on my MFT assembly table, uh, as where the miter saw station, your stuff on the left and right is only there as support, period. And you're making, 
you know, 90 degree cuts, 45s, you know, miters, compound miters, whatever, but you're limited to that and you're limited to 12 inches unless you flip the board and do all that other crazy stuff. I think you can get a lot more done and your options are much, much more um, large by having a setup like this. Um, that's my personal opinion. I, I literally will break down all cabinet parts on my assembly table utilizing a track and a fence and and everything else. And I can't do that on the miter saw. So the reason I say that's not really a fair comparison is because the miter saw station is very specific for one thing, storage along with uh, supporting your workpiece to the left and right of the blade, period. That's all it's there for. Um, as where an assembly table, a solid MFT surface, it is a multifunction table that has an endless amount of use cases so yes the mft uh, uh surface work area i would if i had to build like the, if if i had to pick the one most important thing in my shop it is exactly where i'm standing and recording this podcast right now which is my assembly table that's my answer Sedge? ben oh no i said yeah. ben it's my question i said ben yeah i mean and, and Sedge can correct me on this but just about anything that you can do angle or bevel wise that you can do on um, a a miter saw and I'm thinking the capex because that's what I have you can do on the MFT3 with the only exception is uh, maybe like a 47 degree cut because I don't think that the 75 or the 55 can do it um, yeah they can oh they can so I thought it was yep. like a 46 um, but yeah, like if if gun to my head, I only had to pick one, or I was only I could only get one for now. One hundred percent, the MFT three. Um, that's that's what I had when I rebuilt my shop. That was the very first thing yep. that I bought was the TS seventy five and the MFT three. You can get so much done with just that. Like you can't, um, you can't clamp down anything with with a uh, a miter saw. I can clamp down things to an MFT3. I can work hand tools on an MFT3. I can cross cut. I can rip. Um, I mean, it's it's a it is such a versatile uh, system in in a woodworker's hands that hands down MFT3. Sedge, before you answer this, the way that I'm actually taking this question, uh, especially after the way that Ben just answered that, is I'm taking this as I. I have an opportunity to build one of the two things, which one would be most beneficial to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I, obviously Ben and I are both on the same, you know, same sheet of music when it comes to this. And, and I was going to do I, devil's advocate here and say that unless you, unless you're a, um, a trim carpenter, obviously a minor saw is much more versatile and useful to you, but they're asking us, right? Or this person right. is asking us. Right. So that's that throws that that argument out of the out of the equation, Sedge. Yeah, what do you think? <clears throat> so the way you worded that, uh, Jason, I would say I would start with an MFT three setup. Yeah. Uh, it's very versatile, but it's also a great workstation with all the dog holes and the the V groove system and the the you know the extrusion the extrusion where you can lock things to it, you can add to it, you can make things for it. It's a very versatile table. 
it, it, this is a tough question because I'm getting ready to do a Festool Live this fall, Capex versus MFT3. I can't believe I saw this question. And it's width of cut huh. is what it boils down to. What's the difference? It's the width of cut. That's because you get 12 inches uh, with your uh, straight cross cut with your Capex, like any 10-inch, 12-inch saw. Uh, the MFT, I mean, you can go gangbusters with it. And I just showed how to connect tables the other yeah. day. You know, it's it's so versatile. It's ridiculous. I love... Well, that. Um, and I have a video about this, is putting the Capex trimming attachments on the MFT3. Like, you, you can triple triple your crosscut length when you do that. Like, I saw the video that you just did, Sedge, with, with uh, Big D mm-hmm. on uh, on that. And, uh, yeah. like, what I, what I especially love about putting the trimming attachments on the MFT3 is if you set up the, the guide rail, uh, if you set it the distance properly... You can incorporate the the flag stops, the measured flag stops on the trimming attachments, mm. and it's it is so accurate. You know, as long as you account for the width of the blade, oh my god, I I, I absolutely love that in my shop. And it doesn't pinch for kickback if you put it in between there. No. Hmm. No. See, so yeah, going all. going back, I'm like looking at the question again, and that's. What do you find more useful, a solid MFT3 setup or a good miter saw station? I, I'm just taking that as he is definitely asking, like, if I could build one right now, which one would be more beneficial? So I think we answered that question for sure, but 100%. Um, yeah. Especially when you take the MFT and you do like uh, I did, which it was not my design. Um, Matthew Byington uh, is the one who I got the inspiration from, but, you know, removing the legs and putting these things on a solid surface, like... I mean, you, you guys have both been in my shop. Like, this thing's not moving anywhere. No. It's not going anywhere. It's, like, super solid. Yeah, so that you, takes out any argument of, like, well, it, it shakes around a lot, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, like, this doesn't shake around at all. Like it's, that's, it's, it's a great setup. To me, that is such a, a uh, useless argument to say that the MFT3, MFT3 shakes a lot because, you know, uh, if, you're, if you're doing woodworking properly – you're going to secure your material down to the table. So it doesn't matter if the table wobbles a little bit because everything is anchored to the table. It's, it's like saying, it's, it's, it's like saying that, um, you know, I'm trying to think of a really good analogy about moving. It's, it's like saying that having furniture on a ship is a bad idea. It's like everything is already moving. It's, it's attached to the thing that's moving. So, that's funny. I like. Yeah, that. I was going to say that was actually a really good analogy. That was like, actually furniture on the ship. <laughs> like it is. Like I mean, I have the stabilizing uh, the braces on my MFT, which which does make it a little bit more rigid. Um, but I mean, I, I've you know, and Jason always tells me that this is always a weird flex, but this is my second MFT that I've purchased. Oh Jesus! And, well, I, I'm just saying, if, <laughs> just if I felt like. I'm just, I'm tired of you pushing me and pushing me and doing this, Jason. <laughs> Trevor, give me a Kleenex. Yeah. <laughs> Trevor. But, um, you know, like, cause, cause I, I do a lot of research for the videos that I make and I'm always uh, involved in the community. And that's, that's one thing that people bring. Oh, it shakes a lot. Well, it doesn't really matter. That's just like, it's secured okay, down to here's the Here's what it is. It's so hey, stupid. Sedge, how much does an MFT3 cost? An MFT3. 
Oh, I don't know. 800 I, bucks? I, I'd i have to look it up. Some, I get all mine for free. I'm going to look it up. I, yeah. I think they're just throwing <laughs> them out in the trash. Said. They're 735 735 <laughs> The way The reason people say that is because they're saying, I'm paying $735 for this table. And it shakes no, around all no. over the place. Like, no. shut up. First of all, it is a, <laughs> it's designed to be taken to a job site. It's designed to be mobile. Period. It's got legs that fold up. It's not so going to be 100% sturdy. I don't care what company it is. So I, I, I found this new YouTuber who, who does, he does all festival stuff, or at least at the moment. Vince Woodworking? No. That guy's a dirtbag. Um, <sighs> but I want to say it's. He's got a few more shop. subscribers than you do. Dojo shop. Is that, um, a, is, that a, is that a silver? Jason, oh, I'm no. sorry. What are you talking behind me? I'm sorry. I just thought something that... happened to that in October. <laughs> I apologize. I just thought that that was a weird glare from my amazing lighting in my awesome shop with all of my festival products. I'm my bad. It's a silver play button, everybody. So anyway, so this, so, um, so this guy, uh, Dojo Shop, I, I want to say that that's the channel name. But he was he was saying in one of his videos about the MFT, MFT3 and when it comes to the price point, which is just what you said, Jason. You know, why would I pay for this? Like you're not paying for a table. You're paying for the engineering that went behind it. And you're paying for the thought that went into it. Like I, I absolutely love that uh, almost all of Festool's surfaces are exactly 900 millimeters. I love that because it means that like I can take my trimming attachments for the Capex, I can put it on my MFT3, I can put it on my router table, I can put it on my uh, my Capex with the MFT Capex, I can put it on my Conturo stand, I can put it everywhere. So you're you're paying for the system, you're paying for the ecosystem that comes with Festool. You're not just paying for a table, you know. I think it's a ridiculous argument. I agree. Let's go ahead and. Uh... I think we answered that one pretty well. Let's go ahead and move on to the next one. Ben, I think you're up. Uh, this is one that all of us can can comment towards, which is how would you recommend starting a YouTube channel? Uh, Who my, it? Uh, this is I'm sorry. This is coming from Pallet Furniture and More on Instagram. And the very easy answer is to just start. Yep. Just do it. Like you Start messy. You, you know, you have an Instagram account, so there's a large assumption that you have a smartphone. That's how I got started. That's how Jason got started. Um, if you're Sedge, you know, you have uh, this big, huge crew that just follows you everywhere. Um, Slave laborers. That, I mean, you know. <laughs> but no, Sedge on Instagram. He, Must he be nice to do his... two videos a week. But to no, answer, just just start to answer this question. And when you, I'll just point something out. Um, I started four and a half years ago on Instagram at Festool, and I started Festool Sedge. And I have, I have for the it's still to this day, I have no clue what I'm doing. But it's all done on my iPhone. It's most of the time, it's one take. And you know what it is? It's you, and I'll speak to pallet wood pallet furniture and more just start it people want to hear from you they want to get to know you be authentic i'll say it a hundred times 
Don't just get out there and start putting content out there because people want to hear from you. That's the name of the game. You think you have something to offer? Offer it because guess what? That's where it goes viral. People, people are sick of slick. They want to be part of something. And that's how I, and now I'm doing the sedge tool from my, because everybody was asking me, hey, how do you sharpen? Hey, how do you, how do you set a hand tool? How do you do a cabinet scraper? How do you use a handsaw? And I do this on the weekends at sedge tool, and I'm just having a hoot with a couple of my friends who I'm teaching woodworking to. And you know what it does? It inspires those two guys who are my business partners here on the weekend. I heard Chris say this last weekend. He's our camera guy. And he said, man, I can't wait to get a house in 2022, 2023, because I'm learning so much to do, you know, to mm-hmm. do, you know, the DIY stuff around the house. To me, that yeah. means the world, because you're passing it on, and that's the name of the game. Yeah. Yeah, pass um, it on. So uh, I, I've actually spoken to him quite a few times on Instagram. Him and I communicate pretty openly back and forth um, through DMs. Uh, my first question would be, uh, you know, I have to echo what they're saying, uh, but my first question would be, you know, have you watched my WorkbenchCon presentation video on my YouTube channel? That's not a plug for my YouTube channel. It's that literally your question is, was my speech at WorkbenchCon in 2020? Um, and to go along with what Ben was saying, like, you just have to start period. That's it. You just have to, you have to start doing it. Um, the fact that you're asking that question makes me believe that you're interested in it. And I think the, the thing that people have the hardest time getting over is the idea of being on camera and talking to it. Well, guess what? Your first video is going to suck. It's going to be terrible. Um, but it doesn't matter because guess what? There's probably you know, 500, 10,000, who knows how many people out there that are in the same shoes you are right now and that their videos would suck even more, (laughs) right? And that goes along with what uh, Sedge was saying. There is an audience for everybody. Whenever I talk to people and they're like, well, I want to do it, but it's too late. The the platform is too crowded, whatever. No, it's not. It's not too crowded. People don't watch my videos because I have 100 you know, plus thousand subscribers. They watch my videos because they like the way that I talk about things. They like the way that I explain things. If here, here's a really good example. There's an audience for everybody and everybody can be successful on this platform. I just, I just sent a message to Sedge and Ben the other night. And just out of curiosity, I typed into the YouTube search, parallel guides, track saw parallel guides. And the top four videos were me some other dude, Ben and Sedge. So the three of us on this podcast made a video talking about the same principles and the same thing. And the three of us are all in the top four of those videos. That means that people are looking for stuff from other people. If somebody wants to go watch a really cool build video with cool cinematography, they're not going to come to me. They're going to go to Chris Salamone. They're going to go to uh, you know, K, uh, KJ Sawdust, they're going to go to Jason Hibbs, they're going to go to these channels that make build videos very entertaining. Mm-hmm. If somebody wants to learn about cabinetry, maybe they will come to me, maybe they will come to Sedge. Uh, if they want to learn about festival, maybe they'll come to one of us, uh, maybe they'll go to Ben's channel. 
there is an audience for everybody because you'd be surprised just because somebody subscribes to your channel doesn't mean that they're not going to watch somebody else's channel or that they don't know you exist. And I had a funny uh, conversation with somebody a very long time ago who's actually been doing very well, a good friend of mine, who's actually doing very well on uh, YouTube now. And I remember having a conversation with him and it, I'm not going to say who it was, but the conversation came up that they were looking at it like April Wilkerson has a million subscribers. That's a million people I can't get anymore. That's not the right way to think about it. Because once, you, once those million people subscribe to that one individual, that doesn't mean that they're gone. That just means that those million people are subscribed to her. That does, they're, they're subscribed to tons of other people. And why are they subscribed to tons of other people? Because there's benefits to every single person. People are watching mm -hmm. your videos yeah. for you. Period. You know, like, now, if it's, like if, if it's a newcomer, just give me one more second, Ben. If yeah. it's a newcomer coming to a channel, they may not know who you are. Your video is going to be the thing that gets them hooked on the style of teaching that you have or the style of video that you have. So don't ever think that you don't have something to add because I don't care if you have one subscriber, 10 followers, you're only building farmhouse furniture with construction grade lumber, or you're the most complex builder in the, in the world and you're making the most beautiful things using top quality tools. Every single person has an audience. And the more broad you are, the bigger that audience is. The more specified you are, the narrower that audience gets. So you just need to understand that. So that, that's all I have to say about it. So right now, um, and I wish that you, you know, your name was on your Instagram because I'm looking at it right now. Uh, and this is for pallet furniture and more. You know, you, 13 weeks ago, you bought a... Um, a dust extractor, a festival dust extractor, looks like a 36 maybe, or a 26, and you bought the DF500 Domino. You you have so much content potential sitting in those two products right now that, um, so th this is a realization I had uh, about a year ago whenever I started my, my channel back up, my woodworking channel, and I had to start over from scratch, and I had this realization that when you have something that no one else, that someone else doesn't, and they're they're curious about whatever that is, or they're wanting to know more, your perspective has value that other people are wanting to see. So it doesn't have to be this big, huge, fancy. Just like Jason was saying, it doesn't have to be this cinematic or or visually interesting video. You just need to share your perspective with you know with with the 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 depths of the internet because there are there is someone right now uh pellet furniture and more that is trying to find out as much information as they can about the df500 and i guarantee you that they have watched these these big channel videos that pretty much all talk about the exact same points right from their own like like very narrow perspectives on this one tool you know maybe it was just out of their entire uh, channel of content, they did one video about the DF500. Whereas you can make, if, if you made 10 videos about the DF500, about different things, different uses or how you use it or what your thoughts are, you know, maybe one's an overview, maybe one's a review, maybe one is how to do mid-panel uh, plunges, maybe one's how to do in-grain plunges. Like you, you have so much value in your perspective to make so much content off of these two tools. Because people are searching for this thing. 
like go into YouTube in the search bar and type in Festool DF. And then it's going to complete. It's going to do an autocomplete. And whatever words come up for that autocomplete in that search bar, that's the terms that people are using. Make that a video title. And I guarantee you that people are going to watch it. It'll say ahead, C Sedge. Sedge. <laughs> Shut yeah. Well, let me add something to that real quick. So <laughs> let me, let me, this is a really good example of what you were just talking about, Ben. Sedge and Ben, tell me how many times, if you were thinking about buying a product, tell me how many times you went to YouTube and searched a video on that topic. Real quick. Every, Every time. Day. Every time. Okay. Now, from that, how many of you only watched the first video and then made your decision? Oh. No, 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 no. Exactly. Five, six, seven different perspectives. I, exactly. I would, I that, that is why it doesn't matter how many videos and, there are out there. And I stay away nowadays from the videos made by the manufacturer. Mm-hmm. I go to the people to who the users. own it. Yeah. To the users. I go to people mm-hmm. who, and you know, I'll listen to them for a few minutes. I may not watch the whole video, but man, if I, somebody seems really authentic and just so, and I'll use the word genuine, it's the same thing. I want to listen to that person. Mm. I love it when I, I see welcome. them make mistakes and do, you know. You're welcome. Drink White Claws and yeah. stuff like my, that. My videos are great. You're right. They are, Jason. <laughs> I agree. I think they're fantastic. Now, in, unless, comparison now here, people want to compare. I, I here's to toot my own horn. I love yeah, the ones if they watch do, my compare a, a bunch of them. Yeah, if they watch my video, Sedge, that's the only one they need to watch. It's perfect <sighs> in every way. I mean, so again, <sighs> shut up, Jason. I don't know how so, to comment love, on that. <laughs> I love you guys. This is the best <laughs> furniture ever. And more. Um, people want to see to, you. to close out your question how would you recommend starting a YouTube channel by doing it like you're doing in the military it. you're in the military or we're in the military like we, Jason and I shouldn't have to tell you this just just stop being lazy and just do it yeah why don't you go just grab your two quart canteen and meet me outside of my shop 30 minutes chump yeah. just kidding is he in the army was he in the army Um, it looks like he is yeah. I think he's, I so think he knows he's, what a two court canteen is. Yeah. I think he's stationed. Yeah. Go, go smoke yourself. Yeah. Just do it. Just do it. I think, uh, said you're up next. And, uh, we talked about this. You kind of knocked out two things. I wanted you to address that last question that was on there about the sharpening. Oh, okay. If you want um, to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, do you want me to read sh- the question? No, I you? got it. What sharpening system for chisels, et cetera, do you have or recommend? And that's tough because my whole life I've been uh, uh, sharpening flat. And that's how I taught you, Jason. That's how I taught Big D. I got a video out there. It's called Wicked Shop on Sedge Tool. But, oh, that's goes, why I thought this would be a good one for you to answer. Yeah. So, like I said, this summer I, I've always wanted one. And I had some stuff with heavy nicks in it. And I went and bought a Tormac. And... Here I am, I, I work for Festool, you know? Everybody looks and sees the price of stuff. Mm. And they go, oh, and then all of a sudden they get it and they go, oh, now I understand it. Um, worth every penny. The Tormac, 
it's worth every penny. I recommend oh, yeah. it. Um, and it's got it's it's like Festool. It's a system. You got to understand it, and you'll go, oh, okay, I get. It. You just gotta get over that. I'll say it over that nut of the price. It's worth every penny, but like anything, I guess what I did. I went to YouTube and I watched some of the videos. And uh, yeah, they got a great owner's manual on it. Uh, this is, by the way, I'm not sponsored by Tornamac or anything like that. I just, uh, I like really good tools that perform. And, sure. Uh, just like all my clamps. I have Bessie clamps that are 30 years old. I love them. And I, and it's, I believe in good tools. Like my, my turning tools are easy wood tools. Um, they work. But for sharpening, yes, like I said earlier, if I don't have to take out nicks or regrind the bevel because it's got a, um, uh, a bow in it, I call it a bow. Some people call it, a, it's rounded. I'll just take it to my strop, you know, because I'm just trying to get that quick burr on there or just take off a burr. Um, right. But the Tormac, but here's, here's the other kicker. I just got a Japanese stone for the Tormac, and that Tormac Japanese stone is 4,000 grit. And the mirror finish I'm pulling off of there so quick is unbelievable. Well, I think so. let's talk about the Tormac for a second because the Tormac you could uh, equate to it's just like any other tool, right? You spend more money, it makes a process much simpler. Uh, and another yep. good example of that is can you can you do what a domino does without a domino? Yes, it's not as fast and the results yep. may not be as as repeatable. Yep. But then you buy a domino and then the results are fast and repeatable. Same thing applies to sharpening, you know. Uh, the way that you taught me, and, and I'll kind of go into my answer, uh, if you don't mind, Sedge. Um, I never sharpened a single thing in my life, and you were nice enough to teach me how to do it using sandpaper and a piece of granite. Um, and so, you know, now I understand that. Is that as fast as using your Tormek? Absolutely not. Can I get really good results with it? 100% yes. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it's just like any other tool, right? You know, yep. if... The, the results that I get, I mean, my chisels have never been so sharp than when you taught me how to, how to sharpen that stuff using sandpaper and a flat surface. Mm -hmm. So um, it is totally feasible. It's just you need more time to do it. Or you can spend more money and save yourself that time for the rest of the time that you're a woodworker. Yep. That is correct. Yeah. That is correct. What do you think, yeah. Ben? Do you have any insight on the sharpening? I literally wasn't listening to anything you guys were just saying. No, I mean, I'm not surprised. You, you know what he's going to do? He doesn't understand genius. When he comes in October, he's going to bring that cobalt chisel for me to sharpen. Yeah, he probably will. You should teach him how to sharpen it. And then he's um, going to just I, come and try to pick up a bunch of free festival stuff. I've had the about three All of our hand-me-downs. Three years ago, I had the, the Veritas honing guide sharpening system. And then I had the diamond plates that went with it. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it is so cool to get, um, a really sharp edge on a chisel or on a, uh, planer blade. Um, but man, does it take a lot of work to do it, especially when you're doing it by <laughs> hand. Oh my God. I mean, like I was getting mirror finishes on all my bevels and, mm -hmm. you know, I had this, the strop and the, the compound and stuff like that. And 
I think it was Paul Sellers said that um, you should you should always spend more time sharpening your tools than you do trying to use them. And it's because if you have a really sharp chisel or a hand plane blade or a saw blade or whatever it is, it's it's going to make your work so much quicker, especially if you're a hand tool person. Um, and it's like, you know, it's, I think he said like the more time that you put into making an edge sharper, the less time you have to spend using it. Um, and the reason and, people don't like hand tools, Ben, to interrupt, every time I've seen people shrug at a hand plane, it's because it's dull as heck. And also, mm -hmm. their hand plane is not set up properly. So they yeah. just think out of yeah. the box, it's honed and ready to go, and it's not. It's, no, definitely It not. isn't? Definitely not. And no. who's Paul oh, Sellers? Was he one of the oh, Backstreet God. Boys? He has no idea, does he? He, Was he a you Backstreet really don't know Boy? Who that is? Oh yes, I know who Paul Sellers is. Okay, I'm not just an idiot. Make sure. Well, I mean, you're he an the, idiot. He but... was the founder of McDonald's. I get it. Oh my god! <laughs> FedEx. I'm just kidding. I know. I know who he is. Um. Yeah, I mean, like it. I mean, I had I had a few hand planes and I had a chisel set and. Um, I mean, it's just not it's just not my thing. So those those uh, Sedge has probably five hundred hand planes. Um, Doesn't make you know, me a bad guy. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it, like, I I mean, like I said, I really hated sharpening mine, but I was so glad that I did because, I mean, it, it literally is when you have a really sharp chisel and it doesn't even matter if it's a hardwood, that thing is gonna cut through like butter. Um, and it's it's so satisfying too when you. When you plane an edge and you get paper thin shavings coming off of that thing, obviously depending on what kind of plane you're using, but that is a satisfying feeling when when you are planing and it just. Shh. He has one. Oh my god! It's, he it has, still has a hand plane. It still has the shipping oil it's, on it, so it's let's a not. Lee Nielsen. It's a Lee Nielsen. A, let's see. Let's is that not a four get ahead of ourselves. Yep. Dude, that's my favorite tool of all time. Uh, oh, this weekend we're coming up to your shops. I'm going to bring this so we can sharpen this blade okay. on your Tormac. Okay. But I bought this um, after my first like really big project that I did where I made like a really big uh, uh, profit from, and I was like, I'm going to treat myself. And I bought this, and it's got cobwebs growing on it sitting inside <laughs> of my drawer because I never used it. <laughs> Look at Sedge. Oh, it's yeah. wasted on the youth. It's My good. God. I think I'm up. Am I not? I think so. I sure am. Uh, real quick, before I go into my last question, um, another question that Pallet Furniture and More asked about, I just want to highlight this real quick, because what about a YouTube video on how to use Instagram? I actually have a YouTube video on uh, five different strategies for excuse me, five different tips uh, for growing on Instagram. So go, definitely go check that out. Um, all right. So my final question is wood shop. This is from um, at B Roberts one, two, one on Instagram uh, workshop air filtration. What do each of you have recommend and why? Um, so I currently have the Powermatic uh, unit 
uh, and Paramatic has two. They have the traditional like box looking style, and then they have more of the you know tabletop fan looking style, and that's the one I have, which you can actually uh, uh, mount to the ceiling, you know, inverted or set it on a work surface and all that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Prior to that, I had the Jet uh, box style. Um, out of those two, 100%, I think the, the Powermatic is a million times better. Um, do I necessarily totally believe in the effectiveness? I still haven't, I, I don't really have an answer for that yet. What I will tell you is that the Powermatic, if you're somebody that's creating video content or you just enjoy being out in the shop and you don't want to listen to a bunch of dumb background noise, you do not have a better option than the Powermatic. It is extremely quiet, even on the most powerful setting. I almost don't even know it's on. Sometimes I'll leave it on for days because I forget that it's on. Um, the other thing that I will tell you is that I just got done spraying a bunch of finish in my garage, uh, in my shop. And if I look at the filter right now, I can look at it and it's white, which is telling me that it actually pulled in all of the overspray and stuff that's, that's floating around in the air uh, prior to going through that. Now, it's just the dust, right? It's, it's already been atomized, and it's, by the time it gets there, it's, it's just dust. Um, but it is white, and so I need to clean that off. But it did a really good job of keeping the air uh, being filtered in the shop while I was spraying the finish. And so that, I will say, is really good. Um, is it more expensive than the other options that are out there? Yes. Do I think it's better than the other options out there? From my experience, I would say yes. And the simple fact that it's way quieter than any other uh, air filter that I've seen in any other shop. Do I run it very often? No, I do not. It is not on my shop. It is not on every time I come in my shop. Um, should it though? It is. Should it be on? Should it be? Yeah, sure. I mean, that's what it's designed to do. Um, but I'm going to be honest with you. Like people have always. You know, I had the jet and I used to run it all the time in my shop. And they're like, oh, I've noticed, you know, a far a smaller amount of, of fine dust sitting on uh, my work surfaces and stuff. I've never realized that ever. Um, I haven't really put that to the test in this shop. In my previous shop, my dust collection wasn't nearly as good as it is now. So maybe that's probably why. Um, but I just don't really know if it's necessary. If I'm doing something that is creating a lot of dust that I can't capture at the source a lot of fine dust that I can't capture at the source, which is pretty uncommon these days, maybe I would run it. I did run it while I was spraying finish because I knew particles were going to be flying around in the air. I did run it as I was trying to get all of the dust out of my shop prior, uh, prior to finishing so I wasn't kicking up a bunch of dust, right? I'll blow my shop out with a shop vac or, or I'm sorry, a blower or something like that, open up the garage door. I'll run that fan and I'll do it like two or three times until there's really nothing else going out. And I think that makes a difference, but I just, I, I don't really know because sanding, I'm not worried about dust at the source because I have the Festool sanders and I have the Festool dust extraction. There is, there is no dust that's flying around in the room. Um, my table saw, you know, sure, that's still producing some. Um, but it's like that's the one event. My bandsaw, maybe. You know, it, my dust collection is not collecting everything on the bandsaw. 
So I, I just don't know. Um, I like having it in here. It clearly does work and does do a good job of collecting things out of the air. And the, the finishing is the proof of that. I just don't know if I'm totally sold that it's the answer to everything because it isn't. Yeah. It's just not. Sedge, what do Sedge? you have to say? I don't need any air filtration because I use the Festool system of tools. Same here. I have a CT26 <laughs> no. with, a, with a Cyclone. Okay, moving on. <laughs> no, but no, so I, wanna, I would, but but no, 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 no. Let me let me comment on that. Um, it sounds funny. I said it like that, but I noticed in my shop in Fort Lauderdale when I started using Festool, I had less surface dust. Um, I didn't have any air filtration down there in that eighteen hundred square foot shop. I didn't need it. It's I. <clears throat> I don't have any fine dust on top of anything in here, and I'm always in my shop. It's just because I capture everything at its source. Now, Jason, you remember when we were here turning the other day? Mm -hmm. Boy, we kicked up a lot of dust. I don't have dust extraction on my lathe, and that is when I notice dust again. Because everything I have is just, you know, and if I'm hand planing or hand scraping, that doesn't cause float, you know, so... I don't have that stuff coming down, and if I'm spraying, I spray right outside my garage door. Marianne hates it because I kill all the plants, but who cares? Well, let me ask you this: what if what if you uh, have to spray something in the winter time? Where are you going to spray it? Because of the climate here, um, I haven't had a situation where it's come up where I've sprayed inside the door. I've had a heater on. And I've just covered up stuff with uh, plastic really quick. Yeah. You know, um, applying an oil, and I've been doing a lot of oiling. I did a lot of oiling last winter. Uh, I didn't need an, I didn't need a, a sprayer, of course. I just, and that didn't, that didn't cause any problems. Is that also a term that you would use in the bedroom and in the shop? I did a lot of oiling. <laughs> that would be correct. It's nice lathering. That was a nice finish. Ayo. Ayo. Man, I, I, would, I would say, do you think it's B. Roberts or do you think it's Broberts? Uh, that's what I was thinking. I think it's Broberts. It's, it's Broberts. It's Broberts. It's Broberts. Yeah. Robert. It's so B. I, Roberts. It's Broberts. Broberts. Yeah. Two against one. I, I would say that if you're, you know, if you're asking because you're, you're trying to find out whether you need to get it or not, I think that if you're, if you're concerned about it, you should probably just go ahead and get it. You know, you should probably go and get an air filtration system because at the end of the day, it's not going to hurt you to get it. You know, if anything, it's going to help you or um, help prevent anything wrong from, you know, health-wise from happening. Um, you know, just like like Sedge said, I have a CT26 for the Cyclone. Um, and so I, anything that I'm doing, I'm catching at the source. And I, 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 have, no, I have not noticed unsettled dust or settled dust on any of my stuff that that wasn't caused by something that I just used. Um, and even if even if I am working in, in my shop, it's massive chunks that are coming out. It's nothing there I'm usually never sweeping up fine particles. It's only big stuff that just isn't getting caught by the by the extractor. Um, Jay Bates has a really good video 
he made a, a shop-made air filtration system a few years ago. And I think that the only way that you can really tell about air quality is to get a micrometer and to have it monitor your, your air while you're, while you're working. And so, you know, I, like I said, he, he has a really good in-depth video on, on how well it worked in his old shop. I don't know if he still has it running in his new shop, but, um, he does, uh, it's the shop made one or did he buy a manufactured one? No, the one he built. Yeah. He was trying to talk me into building the one that he made. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's something it's that crazy I've powerful. That, that's something that I've considered doing, uh, in, in my basement, just because, uh, whenever I renovate my basement, I'm going to be living down there. So, my bedroom will literally be right next to my shop. And so that is something that I'm concerned about. But if you were, if say. that's a concern, I would 100% tell you to build the one that he made. Yeah. Because that thing moves way more air than any single one of these machines that you can buy. Yeah. 100%. Cool. All right, um, Ben. All right. And this is the last one. Uh, how are you able, and I'm sorry, this is from David, uh, MacArthur seven off Instagram. And he asked, how are you able to buy Festool when I work 80 hours a week and can't afford to buy them? Uh, well, David, it doesn't matter how much you work because it has no effect on me. And so I'm just joking. Yeah. That's just how, that's just how he yeah. formatted the question. Um, so it's kind of a joke question. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember how much stuff I have now that I purchased new. I think that I think I have 13 fest tools right now. I want to say that maybe two of them I bought brand new or maybe three, everything else I purchased used. Um, so if, if you're finding yourself that it's hard to, to acquire fest tool for a heavy price, I would encourage you to go to www.festoolownersgroup.com. They have a classified section and people are selling Festool all the time. That's how I got my um, my HL850. That's how I got the bench unit for it, how I got the angle unit for it. Uh, that's how I bought my Contour. Oh, I got that off of Facebook Marketplace. But you can get Festool that is relatively new um, for not a whole lot of money, depending on who's trying to sell it. So, you know, I would encourage you to, to look on your classifieds to find Festool. That's how I got mine. Mr. Sedgley. Um, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really know either. My answer is going to be I stand on a street corner Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights. <laughs> so time that's, that's how I make um, extra cash. <clears throat> all the all the fest tool I have here uh, in my shop, and when I do sedge tool videos, it's all my own fest tool. I've Bought most of it full over retail. Over the years, just over the years. Over the years, mm -hmm. over the years. Uh, yeah, over I like the I last used... ninety years. Yeah. Oh, jeez, there we go. Over. <laughs> um, yes, I use Festool every day. I ch I'm a Festool trainer. Um, uh, I tell everybody, um, Festool's not for everybody. Mm -mm. But boy, once you, once you. By that first festival, you go, oh, wow. And I'm, by the way, I'm that person 17 years ago. I walked into that marine store, the guy to buy Lacathena. I've told you this story before. 
and he showed me this track saw thing, and I said, what, a, what are you, crazy? 430 bucks? I went back and bought it. And it was the best money, and I went back and dropped, I think, another 5500 6K about a month later. Yeah. I bought it all full retail. I saw the value on it, and it's kind of like this new Tormac I have. It saves me time once you understand it. It's a yeah. system, and it's, it's incredible. So I, I just, I just want to say, listen, go out and buy one. You probably already have one, but go out and get one, and if you don't like it, return it in 30 days. Yeah, well, to be clear, you know, let, let's, make, let's make it known that the question was asked in kind of a joke form, right? Yes, yep. Um, he did yeah. put the LOL, so that definitely means he was laughing out loud. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, yeah, it's expensive stuff. Um, for me, it's a no-brainer. I don't, I honestly, at this point, I do not care how much a festival product costs. I don't. Yeah. And yeah. that's probably like the dumbest and worst thing I could ever say. I will never bat an eyelash at it, ever, because I know what I'm getting. Do I think some of the things are priced a little higher than they need to be? Yeah, small stuff like accessories, Sure. Their tools themselves? No, not at all. Mm. Not even a little bit. And the re the way I bought mine is, I'm in the army. That's my full time job. I was building custom furniture for clients. I put every dollar that I made back into my business. And as yep. soon as I bought a festival product, I realized how great they were, and I put every dollar back into that. And now I'm in a position, you know, that I'm able to use all of these different tools and, and even try out some of the new stuff. So. Um, it just, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like everybody's financial situation is different, mm -hmm. but, and I also stand on the cor street corner Friday, Saturday and Sunday nights. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, Jason, cool. Jason mentioned it uh, a few episodes back about uh, which tool to, to buy next. And um, Jason said that you should buy the next tool you buy should be the one that's going to have the biggest impact on what you're doing now. And the, the very first festival that I bought was a TS-75, and that was based off of, like, I'd been looking at it for a while, and it wasn't until Jason and I had a conversation. I think he had just bought the TS-55 a few weeks or months before then, um, and that was back when I was doing um, client work. And that when I bought the TS-75, that was the first festival I owned, when I bought that, it completely changed not only how much I was able to get done, but how well I was able to get it done. And for that one reason, and just like Jason said, you know, un unless something dramatically changes, I will never buy something else besides Festool. The only exception is if Festool doesn't make it. Mm -hmm. Because, again, I am, you, you know... You, the first, I think the first Festool you buy, you buy it for the tool. The second tool you buy from Festool, you buy it for the system. You buy it for the ecosystem that it provides. That's a very good way to put it. And I mean, like there, there really is no other way to put it. You know, um, I, I would like Festool has saved me so much time in setting things up and trying to make sure things work properly and. I mean, it, just like you said, Jason, it is a no-brainer. Like 100%, I will buy things at Festival Weeks because Festival solves problems. You know, at least they solve my problems. I mean, obviously they don't make they don't solve everybody's problems. 
There are people that vehemently hate Festool. And they have their own reasons. But for me, it solves my problems. So, David, you know, you said in a joking manner, you know, if you're working 80 hours a week, man, and you can't afford whatever your hobby is, you know. Find a new wife. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, Look, you got three choices, David. Find a new brand. Seriously. Find a new job or find a new wife. Like, that's. Wow. When it boils down to, that's what it is. Simple, simple solution. And, and we're, we're just kidding. Jen but today's, too, by the way. today's sponsor is Festival USA. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's not. Yeah, no, it's not. And White Claw. And White Claw. And Saw Stop. And whatever else we decide. Patreon, yeah. That's all the questions, isn't it, for tonight? There were some tonight, other goofy yeah. ones. Uh, oh. And there were some other ones that we really wish we could have talked about, but obviously we didn't have time. I wanted to bring up this really quickly. Okay. I started World War Three on Facebook. I know. <laughs> oh, man. I, I looked up I've, the stats. I've been right following be- along. Right before. Says, you know what I did? It, was that uh, that post you did on uh, Table Saw versus Track Saw? Yeah. On yeah. Track Saw makes the Table Saw festival? obsolete. Prove me wrong. North America? I, well, I did, it on fest- I did it on the festival page, but I also did it on, like, the general, like, um, the woodworking for beginners and some other Facebook groups that are like that, that are just, you know, festival is still the F word in those groups. For sure. And so I went on, and and I'll show you the picture of it. I said, track saws make table saws obsolete. Changed my mind. And so that's that's the picture that I put up. Just some, some guy using a random track saw. And it, like I knew that it would blow up and it would explode, and it did. And to this day, so I posted that September 15th, 419 comments, and then 158 either likes or dislikes or whatever. And that's just on that one post. That's on that one, in that one group. There, yes. I, I posted it to multiple groups. I, like, changed the picture. Wow. But, um... Like I had just come out of an advertising class, and I was like, we we learned about how much um, how conjecture works, and like how polarizing advertisements really work, and stuff like that. And I was like, let's see what this does. And man, it's a good test. And, like, and you know, and and some of the things that people are saying, you know, they just don't know what they're talking about. I'll just say it that way. <laughs> Um, yeah, I I read a lot of the comments when it was around the 150 mark. Somebody said, "Can you even cut angles with a track saw?" And I'm just like, "Absolutely not." I'm like, "Are you joking with me?" <laughs> no, you, you, you can't. There's no way you can mark pencil lines at an angle. And there's no way you can nope. lay that track in any any orientation. Nope. Only anybody 90 degrees. Can, anybody can say anything they want on YouTube and Facebook and mm-hmm. social media, and anybody does. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I I didn't take heart to it or anything like that, but and this this is my current um, goal that I'm going to figure out. One was try making finger joints with it, and everybody mark my words. I'm going to figure out. I mean, there's a way. It's it's a track saw is nothing more than a flipped over table saw. Like it's not that hard. Um, 
All I need is a flat tooth blade. And I'm gonna I will make a box joint jig for a track saw. Cool. Yeah. I wanna see that. That sounds wicked. Yeah. It's yeah. gonna happen. It's gonna happen. I don't know where Jason. Wow. Huh. Oh. He just, just wants you to look at, he wants you to look at that little YouTube silver. Little silver play button. Yeah. Sedge, can you Jason can you recommend a good flat tooth blade? Um, that would I get don't. that would go with the TS seventy five. Because mm. you guys don't make one, right? With the seventy five, no, we don't. Uh, we used to make a triple chip grind. That was the aluminum. Do you have any of the older blades, the aluminum cutter mm -hmm. or the steel cutter that we don't offer at this moment no. anymore? Uh, the plastic blade uh, is the red circled blade. We call it the plastic cutter. And that's a triple chip grind. It has a flat raker. Yeah, that's a flat bottom cutting one. Is that for melamine? No, it's recommended no, plastics. for plastics. plastics. It worked just fine on wood. Yeah. It would? It, yeah. yeah. Any of let the me, blades uh, would work fine on wood. Yep, yeah, let me look at that. Uh, when I, I don't have that blade here, but I got it at work. Let me look at it. I'll let you know. I think you can get, I think you can get a flat bottom with it. Because I think it's a, a triple tooth. Uh, yeah, it goes triple chip tooth plus a flat raker. And it alternates. Okay. Yep. Do we want to uh, do we want to do the segment? Let me ask you a question real quick before we get into this part. Do you want to do the segment on a account that we want to recommend? Do you want to keep that to the audience ones and forego the hateful comments? Yeah, I, or do you I, I want to still do I, both. No, because I, I want to still make this about the community. So let's let's forego the everyone hates Jason segment, and okay. we can we can quickly dive into to our uh, our account recommendations. Okay. okay. Who wants so to go I, first? I, I can go first. Um, so the account that I'm going to recommend everybody Hold on. goes and f Hold on. Do you want to explain what it is that we're doing and how we're going to continue on with it moving forward since this is the first time? Yeah. So back whenever um, I had my old... Uh, my old account, Valor Made Designs. Every Friday, I would I would have I had a segment called uh, my favorite follows or like follow like five favorite follows or something like that. Whatever it was, I would just recommend five Instagram accounts within the community that I found valuable. Whether that's because they inspired me through their work, um, they educated me, or I just found them entertaining. And so those are the three pillars that I would just you know, all these different accounts because Instagram was very different, you know, three or four years ago. I really and enjoyed, that was one of my favorite things about your page. Um, even though I do want to make it publicly known that not one time did Ben ever include me <laughs> in any of his five follow Friday things. Well, Jason, if you ever do anything that really inspires me, educates me, entertains oh, me, then I would. Oh. So, well, you know, I hold wow. all the all the pieces of festival that you want in my shop, uh, and when you come, you could just go home and empty-handed. <laughs> I'm not bitter about it or anything, if you could tell. Oh, I think I think I have some imperial parallel guides that I need to get rid of. Oh, like I care. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Sorry, anyway, so so this is um, and and I I do, I do want to kind of bring this back into the fold. Um, but again, idea. this these these are uh, accounts, whether on Instagram, YouTube, or any other platform that we kind of uh, pitch these on, that we think that you should go and follow for just various reasons. So the account that I that I encourage everyone to to, to go check out is called Kyle Seabree, and I've been following this guy for years now. Can you spell um, that? K Y L L E S E B R E E. He's based out of uh, California. Uh, makes uh, a lot of mid-century modern furniture, but oh, just wow, incredible work. Um, like I aspire to make furniture the way that this guy does, or at least like the cleanness and the the minimalist kind of look that his furniture has. I mean, the guy is just incredibly talented. Um, and like I said, it's I've been following him very for impressive. years and it, it's, it's just, I, I just love his style. It, it's just, it's incredible. Um, yeah. wow. He's good. Sleek yeah. lines, you know, it, none of his furniture feels heavy when you look at it, you know, it all yeah. feels very light, you know, um, he's <laughs> a lot of hardwoods, a lot of maples, a lot of walnuts. I mean, it's just, it's just incredible work. And uh, that is my him right now. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. that's my follow recommendation. Follow. That's my follow recommendation for this week. And then, cool. like I said, exceptional content. Yeah, that's that's impressive. Uh, Sedge, do you want to go? Or you want me to go? You go. Okay, so <laughs> it's funny because as I was looking at his uh, furniture, the person that I'm going to recommend is is very very closely related to him. Um, and that is James Wesley Furniture. And uh, he is actually in the military as well. I want to say he's Air Force. Yes, oh, that's he a, is in the that's Air a, Force. It's a good alternative to uh, military service. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. It's like you wanted to be in the military, but you also kind of wanted to vacation like, for uh, a really long time. I don't want to really live a hard life, so I'll go. Right, yeah. It's like... You know, I want to be in the military, but I also want to, you know, go on my cruises, that kind of thing. I also want to grow my hair out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I also don't want to have, like, any military discipline whatsoever. Holy um, crap, man. I'm looking, <laughs> I'm, at just kidding. This, I'm looking at a mitered, I mean, it's his first post that I can see. Um, he did a, a mitered edge with pins. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. It, his work I've been is, following I've been following him for years. He's fantastic. Yeah. Wes he's, is incredible. Have you I said mean, have you met him? Did he go to one oh, of the yeah, Rubio yeah. events? Yeah, he was at one of the Rubio events. Okay. And I was so impressed. He is one hell of a furniture builder. Yeah, that he is, some is serious work. Yeah. It it's just so funny the the account you mentioned and I was looking at his stuff and I'm like, "Man, this looks so similar to um, the style that, that he builds. Um, anyways, James Wesley furniture, you guys, if you're not following, he has more followers than any of us on, on this platform. So I, I would assume that if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably familiar with who he is, but if you're not definitely, definitely go check him out because he does some really clean, Ooh. really, really nice work. Um, you know, that, and, that's somebody that and he's, and he's military. That's somebody that I would want to get being in when the air we start doing when we start doing guest hosts. <laughs> I'm or, just kidding, guest, James. Guest appearances. That's somebody that I would definitely want to have on the show. 
Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Mm. And he's a festival fanatic, which, uh, it just, I mean, it seems like it in his videos cause he uses a lot of festival stuff, but so, you know, I'm always down. If you don't use festival, you're never going to be on the show. Oh. It's not a threat. It's the That's cost not a threat, everybody. I'm just saying that if you want to be on the show, you better go buy festival. <laughs> you better have no, your but he does great work. Hand. Yeah, he does great yeah. work, and that that's yeah. he's somebody I've I've I followed for quite some time, and I really love the style of furniture that he builds. So definitely go check him out. Yeah, man. Just looking at his page, really, really talented. All right, I'm ready for Sedges because he mentioned it before we started the show, and I never heard of it. This guy is incredible, and. You know what's really funny? I pulled up uh, James Wesley Furniture, Wes's account, and you know when it says on there, followed by, you know, it's people who also you follow. It's followed mm -hmm. by this guy. His name is Russell, and I hope I get his last name right, Russell Kieselbach, or Kieselbach. And he's at, on Instagram at, and I'm going to spell it, K-I-E-S-E-L-B-A-C-H Workshop. Eiselback Workshop. He's a period furniture builder out of Hudson, Ohio. I met him at Hatfield Tool two years ago. And super duper guy. He's a great furniture builder. Wow. But he does, he does some incredible pieces. And just recently, I, I look at all his posts. I like all of them. But he did something. He did that Philadelphia. You'll probably see it at Philadelphia High Boy he has in there. Yeah. He's incredible. Yeah, I'm looking at that right now. He's incredible. And uh, what I, he did something recently. I was following along. He did this massive piece that was a periodic, I think it was out of Walnut, a periodic table of, you know, the periodic table of elements. But he backlit mm -hmm. it. He built it for a client. And it I'm was just wicked cool. Really, really talented guy and really down to earth. So give him a follow. You'll learn so much. Uh, great hand tool guy, great power tool guy, knows his stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the, the type of stuff that he builds is not, in terms of style, is not really my style. But I, I'm not saying that to take away from what he does because I'm looking at it right now and it is truly impressive. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm looking at I'm looking at the bonnet top post that he made, and um, yep. I mean that is like. Like my brain can't really understand how he made that. Mm -hmm. It's 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 a coved, curved, mitered bonnet. Like I I don't. Isn't that cool? Like I said, I my brain cannot understand how he did that. And, That's cool. You know, like looking at this, like this is why I love woodworking. Yep. Is there are so many different disciplines that come into this, and it, it seems like people are kind of wrapped around specific styles. You know. Um. Mm. But, you know, like you don't I – don't, I don't have to be into that particular discipline to appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. You know, like, like I was yeah. looking at a, at a few other accounts that I wanted to recommend tonight, but I, I wanted to narrow it down to mine. But, you know, like looking at some of the things that people make, to me it seems tedious. And I'm like, I would, you would not – you would not threaten me to make this. Like – there's no way that I would even want to attempt to do this because of how tedious right. it looks. But holy crap, is it amazing to see people mm -hmm. that are able to do this kind of work that, oh, yeah. you know, that I personally would never want to do, but it's yeah. so incredible that they're able, that they have the capacity to do it. Yeah. I would like, I'm really glad that we did that segment and I've, I've seen this on other podcasts before. Um, 
Matter of fact, what was the podcast that you, they used to do that all the time? Where they would share a, an account that they follow. I can't, I can't remember at this point, but um, I really like that. I think it's really cool. And it like, I just found two people that I didn't even know existed out there. And I, the reason why I think that's important is because there are so many woodworking accounts. Same thing applies to YouTube. There are so many woodworking accounts that don't even know that certain accounts are out there. Yeah. And you'd yeah. think it's like, oh, this person has this many followers or subscribers or whatever. Like everybody knows who they are. Oh, no, no, no. Like I, I've never heard of those two individuals and their work is phenomenal. Yeah. And that those just goes guys, to show, you know. Those are, those are the guys I really like because they're kind of like unsung heroes out there. Yeah. You know? That's one thing that's surprising. I'm glad you said that unsung heroes. And I won't mention the other names because I'll save these for future episodes. But there's people out there that are doing such incredible work. Oh, yeah. And they don't have the audience, which they may not care. They may not be looking nope. for that audience. But nope, they don't. at the end of the day, more eyes should see it because it's beneficial yes. to everybody. Yes. Has nothing because to do with the followers. Has nothing to do with no, the numbers. No. You can learn. You can better your craft by following those people. That's the name of the yep. game. And, and you might even you might even discover a discipline it's, that you didn't know existed, and now like it resonates with you, and you're like, "Holy crap! I want to learn how to do that," you know. Right. And that's like everything that both of you just said. That is the entire reason why I used to do that segment with my old uh, with my old business because I wanted to expose these these different ways of of doing woodworking. Because you know, back then Instagram was a much different beast. It was like Everybody was in it to help everybody else. Whereas when I look at it now, I just see a bunch of sponsored. And, and again, this is just my my feed. You know, I'm not saying it's indicative of everybody's feed, but it's like every post that I look at is like, oh, you know, I'm so hot. And I know I just joked about it earlier, but it's like, oh, I'm so hot from building, you know, whatever. Thank God I have this white claw to help quench my thirst yeah. like i'm not gonna i'm you. not gonna mention the account and jason and i talked about this uh last week when it happened but there's a another really big account that's in the diy space that um that did a subway sponsored post like what the hell does that have to do with making a table absolutely nothing you know i mean granted, i'm sure he got paid a crap ton of money and if that were given to me i would probably take it too because that's my family that i'm feeding you know no pun intended. Mm. Heyo. Heyo. But um but that's that's what I see a lot of now. So to summarize that, I see less people um willing or wanting to help other people in their posts by providing valuable content and more of providing value to these bigger companies or whoever it is that's sponsoring them. I see the value going to them, not towards the audience. Well, I let, let me play devil's advocate there on that for just a second, just so we can you know, be fair and clear, but, you know, regardless of the type of ad that it is, you know, companies are paying for advertising space and that advertising space payment is based off the size of your audience and what kind of metrics you have. So at the end of the day, you know, is if Instagram is like that platform that you're kind of just utilizing for that purpose, like I, I do get it, but I also understand where people on the outside looking in because I, I was there once, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I was looking at it like that. So, you know, there's reasons behind it, but I agree with you that, that Instagram really has kind of become that. 
but it also depends on what level you're at on the platform. You know, so if you're at that level where you're being offered those things, you know, I kind of understand that. I kind of get it as where the people that are not necessarily being offered those things may not be able to fully grasp it. And they're trying to like, oh, I'm going to grow my business thinking that this platform is going to change my life. And in reality, like for me, for Instagram, Instagram does nothing for me monetarily. Yeah. Nothing. Um, well, and which is why I don't put as much effort and time into it now because I just don't have the time to commit to it. But if it did, sure, I'm going to put that stuff on there. And I think that's what you're starting to see is it's coming down to in, instead of just posting about it for the community like you're talking about, yeah. now it's like, oh, I have a sponsor obligation. I'll just filter yeah. it into Instagram. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and, and, you know, and like I said, I mean, I, and I said it, if a company offered me thousands of dollars to talk about a freaking footlong sandwich, you're damn right I'm going to be pitching it. But I don't know. I'm getting no, hungry. No, <laughs> no I, I understand I, what you're saying. At the end I of would, the day, though, when all of these accounts stop caring about the community, th that when you were on, you remember everybody was trying to help everybody out. And mm -hmm. then those big accounts, all of these accounts now, because everybody's getting into social media marketing, they're all pitching products because they know how important social media marketing is. Now it's overshad it overshadows the community aspect because so many people are posting about it because there's money involved. So it's, I agree with you. It's not the same as it used to be. Yeah. I thought that segment that you did was fantastic. And I kind of want to start doing that again. Tell me the last time you saw Follow Fridays. Yeah. That went away. It died Absolutely. because all the big names weren't doing it anymore. So everybody just decided to stop doing it. But I for me, I agree with that. you. I love, I want to get more eyes on people that are a million times better at woodworking than I am. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like why, why do I, why am I special? Why do I need to get well, you're not, special recognition? So I'm not. Let's not. Right? I suck. Let's not. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if that table I just delivered like fell apart the minute we walked out. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's got some it's... nice fork marks in it, though. Yeah. Well, Jason, anyways, didn't, you, I, didn't you pocket hole the saying, top, ben. though? Didn't you pocket hole the... Of course. The... How, else would okay. you build, how else would you glue up a tabletop, Ben? I just wanted to make sure. Come on. And did yeah. you wipe off the walnut stain? I did for the most part. There's some blotchiness in some places, okay. but what is what? Okay, I just want to. It make was sure premium. It was it was premium kiln dried studs, uh, kiln dried studs from uh, Lowe's. Okay, came out nice. Yeah, it came out really nice. Yeah. Premium pine. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Anyways, cool guys. We're at two hours and five minutes. Yeah, wow. our longest one, but it, it was a community. Which I'm episode. okay with. Yeah, I don't give a shit I, I, if we talk for four hours every single podcast. You better deal with it, audience. You hear that? Four hours. We're gonna yeah, make my Sandy favorite podcast. Is a short. My favorite podcast. A short episode is two hours. Modern Craftsman. That's a usually they're podcast. like yeah. Usually they're like three hours long. I love them. That my was favorite. my first podcast. I know they broke your cherry. Hey, another well, thing you could say in the I shop. Had, could you? I, no. Yeah. Nice cherry. That's true. Nice cherry. Yeah. I broke I broke your cherry. No, you could say I broke your cherry. I could have dropped a cherry oh board God. and it could have broke. That's broke something cherry. that you can say in the wood shop and you can say in the bedroom. Yeah. That's what I just said. You can. Yeah. That's blotchy cherry. Sorry, I oh broke your cherry. <laughs> what? Anyways, let's wrap this thing up. No no yeah, the world hates Jason on I'm getting giddy. All right. That no, was good. That was a really good conversation. I like this. I like right. this episode.
Well, we just wanted to, to thank everybody that, that submitted questions uh, and comments for us to read on this episode. Again, this is something that we're not going to do all the time, but you can look forward to this. Uh, and it's looking like episode 12 will be the next time that we do a community um, a community led uh, episode. So thanks everyone so very much. Thank you for uh, all the positive reviews and the, the, the critique reviews that we get and comments that we get. We're always looking to make the show better. Um, but yeah, just thanks to everybody that is, that has helped us get to this point to where we're at with this podcast. We enjoy making it. We enjoy that other people enjoy it and we look forward to making more episodes. So with all that having said, Sedge, where can everybody find you? Okay. You can find me at sedgetool.com at sedgetool on Instagram at sedgetool on TikTok. At SedgeTool on some other places. <laughs> Facebook, Twitter. Okay, but also at FestTool Sedge, uh, FestTool Live on Fridays at noon, and a new podcast, and we'll post it on YouTube and Apple, and also on Spotify, FestTool Shop Talk. Jeez, okay. it's a lot of places. Woo! Hey, Ben. Ben. From now on, can you please do me and you first and then do Sedge? I can edit him out. I'll edit him. I'll cut it after edit the me. first thing he said. Whatever. I don't know why you pick him every time. It's just like everyone's going to listen to that and be like, look at these chumps. Oh, Jason. man. Jason, where can everybody find you? At Benswood working on Instagram and Benswood working on YouTube or benswoodworking.com. Yep. Done. And you can Thanks, find Sedge. me on youtube or instagram at ben marshall designs you can also find this podcast on yes anywhere that you listen to podcasts wherever you listen to it right now however we prefer you to go to patreon if you want to get early access to these shows you can only get it done on patreon if you want to watch the entire video of this podcast you can only see it on patreon at the three dollars yeah, stop being a bunch of freeloaders yeah Communist. Oh, how hard is it to donate a couple of dollars a month? Three bucks. That's all it costs. For, we we just spent two over two hours answering oh your questions. <laughs> you guys are a trip. Unbelievable. <laughs> hey, how many you ungrateful, do you have? Me, ungrateful people? <laughs> all right. Com, it's hold on. Green suitors. <laughs> I've searched it so many times it automatically comes up in my thing. We're at 21. Nice. That's right. We're doing good. Wow. That's Thank almost as much as my much, channel Patreons. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, can, I, can I clarify something, Sedge? Yes. They're not called Patreons. They're called patrons. They're called patrons. Patrons. Uh, okay, but isn't the website Patreon? It's Patreon. It's to show your patronage. But they it's are patronage. Patreons. But not Patreon. It's not patronage. It's patronage. Thank you for being patrons on Patreon. There you go. There you you go. got it, buddy. You got it. There you go. All there right. You go. Thank you, you guys so much. Excuse him, everybody's old. I'm still working on MySpace page. Yeah. <laughs> the green Bye, everybody. MySpace. Check it out. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Hey, this has been co-host and editor of the Green Suitors Podcast. 
This episode is over, but if you want to hear more topics like this and you want to be a part of our conversation, head over to patreon.com forward slash greensuiterspodcast for early access to each show. If you're listening to this on free feeds, be sure to leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.